Hey everybody, this is Vesna Luca and you're listening to Suma and Friends, the show for people with the courage to care for a wiser future. Today we'll talk about the importance of culture and leadership. On the show today, Mirja Lechner-Brown, founding managing director and partner at Hayfin Capital Management Private Equity, and Rainu Indal, founder and managing partner of Summa Equity. So Mirja, after many years in the finance industry and at Goldman Sachs, you uh, decided to set up your own company, essentially also becoming an entrepreneur. I'm curious to what drives you and, and uh, what is your purpose and also what, what impact are you looking to have through the company you're driving now? Yes, I, I am incredibly value-driven. And in addition to excellence, which clearly uh, you find in the firms where I've been working, it's the, the true, a true space caster where you very much include collaboration, diversity and responsibility. And particularly in larger organizations, that can get lost. So after a while, you can become disillusioned. And the, the need, the need to work in a company or with people that are driven by the same values become so important. And in that, when you start a business from scratch, the fantastic thing is you can set that culture. You can set the purpose and the behaviors linked with that. There's no legacy to look after. Every single individual that you hire has to have the same values, be driven by the same person, be very diverse in that. Clearly, that's what you want. And I think that in the end made me take that step because also you need to dare. It's not every day you dare setting up a new company. But at some point, those values were so important to me and I was fed up and I voted to a degree with those feats and dared setting up that company based on those aspects. And today, you know, a few years later, still early doors in, in, in our company journey with 10 people again, it is amazing to just see exactly that, to work with a group of truth-based individuals that want clearly to deliver that excellence, but in a way with cultural values that we all believe in. And you were an investor in Summa when we started up in, in our fund one when you were at Aberdeen. And I remember you were the most sort of critical, skeptical, tough, limited partner in the fundraising. So, and we were super happy that, uh, that uh, you finally decided to, to invest and, and, and come in. And I think what you're describing in what you were really trying to, uh, to do in, in Hayfin was similar to what I wanted in, uh, in Summa, but it's, it's hard to build that culture and to build the, uh, an organization uh, that truly is aligned with the values and everything. So it would be good to, to, to hear your, your reflections of in investing in Summa and, um, and what you've seen afterwards with, with your own experience as an entrepreneur. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think to you know, write a business plan on the paper, everything is easier you know, and you inspired too. I think, and, and I think you were a visionary, right? Back then, you know, you, you know, you and then the team you created were so driven around including sustainability in everything that you did. And this was, you know, where a lot of people thought that you just did it 
Or some people thought you did it more from a marketing ploy, and that doesn't work, right? Why it has worked for you? What because it was at the core. It wasn't just to pretend or to sell. It was so in the core of what you were trying to do. And that's why it is successful. I think other firms that, you know, trying to talk about it rather than actually doing it is not as successful in creating what you have done. And the the diligence that we do, it's hard. I mean, you can diligence number. It's not that, you know, the EBITDA went and why why did you do that and, and what did you turn in a company? Some aspects of that is easier to diligence. We need to get under the skin of the people that we work with and of the partners to starting out with, with that organization. We need to understand, is that purpose for real? What really drives you? What motivates you? How do you work together? How do you take decision? Why will what you stand for, how you take decision, how you operate lead to future performance? We make 50 reference calls. I always say we'll, we'll know somebody that know you in order to add data points to, to validate what you're saying, who you are and how, how you operate. And that takes time. Afterwards, as you said, what I found by finding these people with the same values, you need to be super hard in the follow-up, in the feedback of those behaviors. You need to sit down. You need to define your behaviors, not just the values. Values are fluffy to a degree. But what exactly is the behavior every day that you need as part of that culture? And any any behavior that you see, you need to clamp down on. If anyone does something that doesn't link to behaviors constructively, that feedback needs to be immediate. Because if it is a slippery slope, if everybody is not living, what you are saying is part of your cultural behavior. You will dilute that, that value. And I think what people find hard is you sit in a room, people talk about values, but not everyone is disciplined enough to crack down on the behavior to ensure that that's actually what's happening. And that is, is obviously hard work. You do everything else. If you will, let's say you, you originate, you, you, you create processes, you work with companies. It is so much to do in itself that sometimes it's slipping. But to us, to me, this is core. That is the core of the success of what you do. And hence, you need to be disciplined and stick to it and even fire people, right? If you get it wrong, if you have people in your system that does not live what you stand for, what your organization stands for, you also need to remove people. You need to help them clearly maybe improve and understand. But if you got it wrong, then it's better than at some point actually not to have somebody in that system that doesn't represent what you represent as a group. Yeah, and, and we can talk, and we will talk a lot more about values, behavior, and, and culture, and how important that is becoming now. Uh, so if we go back to 2016 when you invested, so of course we talked about what kind of culture we were trying to build in Summa. But around our uh, our strategy of, uh, of sustainable investing, which was quite new in the private equity industry, did you believe in that strategy at that point? Or did you mostly invest in, in the team and the culture and the, uh, and the organization? We believed in it because as 
I mean, the value creation private equity have somewhat moved, right? You know, clearly, I think from being more financially driven over time, I do think operational value, you know, cost cutting and stuff had certainly been, you know, included for a while. However, I mean, in the end, building better businesses is at the core of what private equity should be doing. And I think you were just seeing ahead. I mean, you're a visionary right now. You see things a bit ahead of many other people. So in our diligence around, you know, you, what you want to do, the strategy, we thought it was differentiated, but we genuinely saw that, and that's what made it difference, right? You had the passion around the, thin, you're finding thin, thematic areas of growth linked into the different, you know, topics, themes, the, the, the areas within sustainability that you believed in. And you used it as a filter. You used it as a filter for everything that you were doing. And that's why we believed it would work because it was so true to your core. Because so other people, you know, had it at some, something on the side. And that to me is, you know, could be, could, could not be good. But the diff, the, the, the core differentiation was that you set it up. You saw it. You believed it. And it was integrated in what you do. And it was differentiated. And I thought, no, opportunity set. Clearly, we need to say how many businesses out there, you know, are there versus, you know, the, the amount of capital you were raising to. And we actually, we utterly believe that you were setting it up correctly and that it was a, a great opportunity to do what you were trying to do. Uh, that's good to hear. And uh, so when we talk about this strategy and, and the culture, there were two things that were important to me back then and, and of course still is. But one was, of course, to have this uh, strategy around sustainable investing, but uh, also to create a culture where it was fun to work, you know, a lot of what we were doing then and, and still is, is quite innovative. So having culture that with, with psychological safety, with more uh, openness, uh, where, where you can bring your whole self to, uh, to work. And if you look at the private equity industry and the history, for, for me, is I really treasure and, and see how important it is now. But is that different? Are these two linked? Is it linked that you we're going into a world where sustainable investing and being sort of on the right side of history is important to people and the culture you're building? Because the culture that you are describing, and we'll talk more about that, that wasn't sort of the core of the private equity industry historically, or was it? No, I think you are. I think you're absolutely right. I think when... You know, people set up these firms. It was very, I mean, certainly returns focused, you know, looking at, you know, financial metrics more. I find, you know, it's been very white male, to be honest, right? Dominated for a while. And I think that, you know, people kind of very much hired people looking like themselves. Right. So, you know, private equity early doors, it's very easy, it's comfortable to hire, you know, from your network, somebody that looking like yourself. And before you know it, if you don't focusing on it, that is the behavior, that's the culture that you then stand for. I think, you know, as the, as the uh, private equity industry is iterating, I think more and more clearly as part of value creation, right, you know, a lot of people at Still, you know, wait, uh, I guess with AI and, and robots at some point, maybe there aren't that many people anymore, but we're talking most 
businesses these days are people businesses. And to get the best out of people, I mean, somebody who feels, back to what you said, Rainer, if you feel comfortable, if you can bring yourself to work, if you can focus your whole energy on doing a good job, being part of building a better business, being part of producing great products that you believe in uh, with people in a way that, that you feel very happy about. I mean, that ought to lead to better results, no question. So the focus of that as part of the value creation, I think, is starting in a maturing industry where it's harder to yield good results. You can't leave anything on the table. So in order to create growth, in order to cre- create increased Productivity till you will. I think it's more focused on organizational excellence today. I think private equity completely missed it to a degree, also as part of, of the value creation. And I think today, in particular coming through COVID, where people near death experience, more and more in the younger generation for sure are, are reevaluating what's important to them. When you know, I grew up in the banking system. You, you kind of did where you were told, right? You worked, you know, you burned the midnight oil and, 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 you know, didn't feel that anybody listened to you. You kind of, it was authoritarian and, and you just got on with it. Today, people have, have, thank goodness, people are very different. They're looking for a culture where they are proud. They want to understand their purpose. They want to feel as proper members of a culture where they feel at home. So with that, there aren't there there are more and more private equity firms that that offer that. But when you did it, the, the focus wasn't necessarily on it, and it offered a lot of people a home, right, where they can mm-hmm. feel that they what the firm stand for was so much more aligned with the culture values that the individuals are standing for as well. How would you like to challenge actually leaders of private equity firms today and also investors? What would you like to say to them? You know, I, I would like everyone to challenge, you know, bad leadership, right? And in that, I think that it's a tough talent market. And that's one of the advantages, you know, in being differentiated like Suma. People are choosing, they're leaving other firms to go to a place where culture are, you know, more advanced, if you will, in, in a positive sense. So I challenge individuals that work in firms where leadership talk the talk, but don't walk the walk to walk, right? Either, you know, try, try and evolve and ensure that the leadership become more mature, that, that, that the leadership take diversity, take sustainability more real and faster, right? That change, change management is not easy. Very often, if you live with the legacy, you can talk the talk, but to actually drive change in behavior and improve the leadership, it's tough. Some people, you know, find it hard, but you need to, within an organization, do that. And if you get the pressure from employees, from younger employees to say like, look, guys, this is what we need. This is what we want. We need to change. And together with investors looking for, you know, more diversity, looking for proper sustainability and purpose as part of what you do. We need as much pressure as we can to ensure that that change management actually happens. Because as I said, very often people say that they do it, but, but, but they actually don't ensure that the behaviors linked to those values actually happen. You see all the private equity firms and, uh, and you know them very well. There's a big focus now on diversity and recruiting women, in particular into an industry that have hardly had anyone. 
if you look at Summa and, and our culture, I mean, it's very much fosters around our purpose of investing to solve global challenges, to be a caring culture, to have high psychological safety. It's not my deal or your deal, it's our deal. It's a team-based uh, system. So we started out our focus around what values and what kind of culture we want to build. And it happens to be that we have attracted a lot of women and we see quite a large number of women in our recruitment processes. But we didn't start with the notion that, you know, we need to recruit women. We started with the culture and, and, and we have, we have, have fairly high diversity in, in our organization. And now that private firms are really focusing on diversity and hiring women, are they starting with the right question around what kind of culture we're trying to build or are they trying to recruit women and have more diversity uh, into their firms. And, and I think that's a fundamental difference. And we did the same. I think it starts with having the right cultural values back into behavior. I think, I mean, being a woman in private equity, you know, in the financial services myself, I think women are more looking for, as I said, an inclusive, you know, team-based culture where you don't need to be the loudest. You don't need to kind of constantly put your hand up in order, you know, to overpromise things, which sometimes happen in a more male performance-driven culture. It needs to be culture. So uh, at Hafen as well, I mean, it was started out beyond, you know, before we did the private equity unit, we also have a proper culture Workshop. We were working with organizational excellence companies to come in and help us define the values that the organization 10 years in was standing for. Uh, and there was a mix of old employees. We were growing fast, new employees. Everybody was involved in defining the values, but moreover, the behaviors. And then educating, educating leaders around these values and how important it is to work with your teams around, you know, investing in people, ensuring that what we do is sustainable, constant to improve what we do. So if you have a legacy, I think it's very hard. And the legacy values are not necessarily aligned, which the one you chose, Rainer, the one I chose, the one that I think is fundamental for a real diverse team-based culture. If you haven't had that to start, I think it's very hard just to start hiring minorities such as women and then hope that it will work. I think you need to drive, you will hire them, but at some point they will leave, right? Because it's then lip service rather than genuine. So in order to get it right, I think you need to drive this kind of culture projects to ensure that you actually define what behaviors that you need to have, that you want to have, to be able to deliver an inclusive culture. And that's much harder, but I think it is a necessity if you really want to change, if you really want to create behaviors around a more diverse culture. So Mirja, how can leaders really drive that kind of change? And somebody can also ask, you know, when you have a company of 10 people or 50 people or 100, that's one question, but what if I have 10,000? What do I do? That's a different story. So what do you say to them? No, and, and it is. I think people are underestimating, you know, in, in other aspects, people understand that change management is a significant undertaking. Mm. It's a significant undertaking. And I don't think sometimes people understand that 
to include diversity if that hasn't been core of your values or include more responsibility as part of your core value. That is change management. That is a big project that needs to be driven from the top. We need to be part of the purpose of a organization. Very often, you probably need to engage organizational experts to help it with you, depending on what your core line of business is, because organization is not always what you excel at, right, if you're in the financial services. And in that, defining the behaviors and make, and, and, and that's at, we, we, we talked a little bit about that before, Raina, it's easy to say on the paper what you do. And then if you see them behaviors that are different, you need to clamp down on it. So the first element is to realize how big the project this is to actually be able to deliver it. You need to include this change management. You need to define the behaviors that you all need to live to. And then you need to adhere to it. So from the top, you need to role model. You need to role model. So the senior management team need to role model this behavior because otherwise you go back to basics. If they don't role model it, then the next, you know, the next layer down is not going to follow. And then again, nobody's actually going to drive that change. So it's really tough to change your behavior, but you then need to believe you need to define and need to start role modeling from the top. And you need to make your organization understand that no change is not an option. If you let them get away with not changing, again, you dilute the change that you in the end on, on a cultural level need, right? And, and that to me is a lot of people talk, a lot of people, you know, ALPs want us to have 30% and, and, and they, they tinker in a corner, but it doesn't fundamentally flow into the core of their values, the core of the behaviors. And that to me make it impossible, maybe too strong, but certainly ain't going to move the needle or it will take a long, long time to get it right. But Miriam, in, in our industry, there's a lot of focus on, uh, on key men and it's men. <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately, there are a lot of key men out there. So investors and LPs are very focused on who has the track record and individuals as part of the firms um, as well. So how do you go about doing that cultural change if some of those key men or, or significant people in the firms are not and have been there for a, a long time and now you're going to do this cultural change and they don't role model what you're describing. Many LPs are becoming more sophisticated in their diligence and more culture focused. I, I think there is much more recognition of the future performance and also it's more focused on it's not just the results but you want to stand I mean the the demands, the sustainability on the LP side as well is that the retired people that you represent, it's not just about the returns. There is more demand about you having high diversity and the fact that you don't just want any returns, you want the, the sustainable returns linked to responsibility and diversity, right? And that type of diligence, which you have experienced, I mean, you 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 will also experience, Raina, the first fund versus the latest fund, that the type of dialogue, the diligence from many people have moved on, right, versus mm -hmm. where it was before. So I think it's a positive, the fact, and we need even more, with even more capital that are more sophisticated in their diligence and ensuring that they don't pay lip service 
to the, you know, the sustainability and the diversity elements of the capital that in the end they also represent. So everybody needs to take responsibility for, you know, just giving the capital to groups of people like Summa that genuinely stand for both for superior returns, but where diversity and responsibility is ingrained as part of the culture. I mean, one of the issues private equity have had is that some partners have not had the hunger really to kind of do the work, do the changing that you need. And they sit on, you know, significant pool of, of carried interest. Some of those firms have, have broken down, right? Just because of that, right? That the, the power sits with the generation that doesn't stand for, in many ways, doesn't pull their weight either and take more of the capital out versus the gener- younger generation. So we see a, Many more firms, many more firms being started and the positive of many of these firms that are being started come out of bad systems where you you see exactly that you don't see enough change and you you see not enough people retire, basically, you know, based on on, and and you don't see that shift. So so sometimes, as I said, that will happen. The, The good people will come and start new firms with no legacy issues. And clearly, then it's much easier uh, to drive the combination of both the outperformance, but then also based on, on kind of those culture values and behaviors that you need. More people will seek themselves to other firms that stand for the culture values and behaviors that, that we need in order to be able to deliver both. I think that's right. And it's interesting to see how starting with the, the right focus around culture and, and uh, creating the right culture attracts diversity. And diversity is also, and women are also important to reinforce and make that uh, culture. So it's, yes. it's sort of symbiosis. The world is changing so fast. And now going into sustainability and impact with a different mindset and creating value through that. The value that we are, are getting in Summa from both um, diversity and, and, and our female uh, investment staff, uh, but also the uh, the age, the younger generation is fantastic. So that diversity is also extremely important in our decision making. And I think, so yes, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a fun and great place to work, but we also uh, have had very strong returns and performing quite well. So the decision making, I think women and diversity and also gender diversity is extremely important. What's your sort of reflections around that? We believe the same thing. I mean, in order to take decisions, you need to open challenge each other and you need a different type of pattern recognition. You need to think in different ways. And it's proven that, uh, I mean, clearly female and and, and male is, is obvious that, that there's lots of differences, right? And if you, I mean, it's harder to manage a more diverse workforce, if you will. But if you manage to find a way to communicate, to find a way of challenging yourself, clearly you will have more different type of insights. More different type of insights will lead better different data points and hopefully then to better decision. And it comes in any diversity. I mean, cultural diversity, uh, age diversity for sure. I mean, it's fantastic to work with these young people coming in and, and hearing some of their perspective 
on on life right we also have you know in our team you know twen- people in the 20s in the 30s in the 40s and yes i'm in my 50s right so so that's you know engaging and and more fun i, I think it's way more fun and also experiences from different stages of life right you have some with new children some with children and the diversity in form of where people come from. And I'm the first one to go to university in my family, right? So I hadn't gotten, you know, particularly privileged, privileged upbringing, which also linked back to why the fairness and humbleness is so important to me. But, you know, also different backgrounds, uh, going through different challenges. People have some challenging upbringing that make you resilient and see people, you know, see things in a different way. It's good. Neurodiversity. I've got twins. They're 20. My son has got ADD and my daughter's got ADHD. I didn't even know what that was, right? But the neurodiversity in how they think, they see things completely differently. That is important to get in as well. And as you said, Reina, if you start out with the fact, a culture where people can be, where you where you cherish differences, but you've come up with a system to allow for communication and transparency to flow between different people. You will get more innovation. You will take better decisions. And as you said, it's not just just because you support female diversity, right? It's way beyond that. In the core, the fact that you've understood and cherished any kind of diversity would also allow for age diversity or neurodiversity or, or any other type of diversity to flourish, but it's to the core of what you do. That I firmly believe in. Hmm. Now that's it's fantastic to hear, Amelia. And I think also, um, for example, in Italy, where I mainly live, there is a huge curiosity also from people, you know, to, to kind of discover each other. And that also fosters this kind of diversity that sometimes I lack in, in the Nordic countries, you know, people really take time to listen and to understand beyond the words what this person is about. And they are very fast at reaching out and asking you if you need support or what you were curious about, how they can connect you with people, whatever. That comes automatic. And so if you have that empathetic kind of listening ability and curiosity, that drives diversity in the, in the company as well. And, and also mental, I mean, another's mental well-being. I mean, coming out of COVID and, and look at the world, there's a number of external stress factors. People thought you know, they were nearly dying and then they were sitting in their homes, not seeing people, social anxiety, brain, two years, brains are rewiring right back into, we're fear-driven as, as human beings. And then there's war, this constant stream of, of, uh, factors that cause mm. stress so the mental well-being of people as well is so important that if, if you can be yourself and you can have a system of wow i mean i'm not feeling that great i need a bit of support and back to the culture if you have a culture supporting people needing to spend time on themselves spend time of being energized having time to reflect having time to connect having time to learn together getting to know each other, it's okay to not feel great, we'll support you. What do you need to feel good? That's part of bringing yourself to work. It's got many benefits, but an additional benefit in a world that we're living in today that has so many additional stress factors, that also will ensure you've got the big resonation going on. The firm that takes culture and diversity and allowing for 
mental well-being at the core of what they do, these are the firms even more so that will attract mm. people. Samira, what kind of advice would you give them to, to young people and women uh, aspiring to, to work in the, in the finance and private equity industry? Giving advice, I mean, my children are at university, my daughter is doing her first intern- internship in a Swedish bank at the moment. I encourage people to do cultural diligence when they go in, figure out through website to responsibility mm. pages. They don't always know how important that is when they start working. They think more about a brand name. I mean, training is clearly important. You need to learn on the job. But I encourage everyone, including my children, my children's friends, <laughs> intern, anything, be smart. Be smart in addition to a particular sector or a particular brand. Use the website. Use networks to figure out what is the culture? What is it really? How do they treat young people, right? Are you being listened to? Are people interested in who you are, right? Are they investing in you? Are they helping you to learn? Are they helping you to, you know, bring yourself to work? All those elements that we've said, that should start from day one. More and more young people are more focused on this. And I certainly encourage everyone. There are fantastic firms in private equity, like Suma, where they take this seriously. Why would you not? Some people believe, oh, scary financial services, male-oriented. That are brilliant firms within private equity. And we need young people that bring the age diversity, right? that bring that energy, that brings different types. We need, you know, and we need the girls clearly to come into. They don't need to be scared. They will be able, if they do diligence, if they ask around. And LinkedIn, there's, there's, there's so, so, so much easy these days to actually do and connect with people and ask questions. But that should definitely be part of the diligence in order to find a home where they can flourish. Great advice. But in the midst of all these kind of complexities in the world that you mentioned, Mirja, what makes you most hopeful? I just am a hugely positive, energetic person. I never give up hope. And there are lots of of, of positive things to focus on. And as I said, I am positive about the fact that there are, in our industry, that there are more and more firms that understand this and ensure that you got the cultural values ingrained at the core of what you do. And that, that, to me, is positive, right? The fact that we can focus on doing both. We can focus on delivering great returns, but in a sustainable way, powered, powered by the right cultural values. So, Maria, you're on our board and you've been an investor and followed us this whole uh, whole time. And we started out in the Nordic, focusing around three thematic areas that are linked to the environment, social and, and governance. And we've been fairly broad within those three themes in the Nordic. Now that we have scaled up with Fund3, we have uh, opened the office in Munich and now in Palo Alto, now focusing more internationally. We have uh, been more and more focused on what are the key challenges that we want to invest in, in solving. So becoming a bit more narrow within those three. And now during fundraising, as you mentioned, the due diligence questions have changed. And there was a lot around focus around culture. And how can we scale up internationally coming from the Nordic and be successful? And I think you're very mindful. You have invested 
in human capital and on the talent side to ensure when you open new offices that 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 there will be one firm, right? And I think that is so important that one firm that everybody feels that they are part of that one firm and your core values is the same. Doesn't matter if you're Norwegian or Swedish or German, but the fact that you organizationally process communication wise adhere to that, it's, you know, key. And I know you take that. And that's what we've been discussing over the last few years in your opening. Don't open too many offices at the same time so so that you can onboard and land a few more people of different nationalities, even, and that's what I mind, you, you are hiring the people driven by the same values, which will allow that integration in a better way. However, still, because they're new offices, you're adding organizational complexity. That's why onboarding, the time you take to ensure that they feel integrated, you're doing offsite everyone together, spending time getting to know the new people also on a more informal basis. And, and that will take time, right? But I think it makes it easier But the fact that you don't need to change your cultural values, those values are attractive for people anywhere in the world, but you are mindful of ensuring that the timing, onboarding processes, and, you know, the communication together, that you don't fail to a degree on the integration of new elements. And, and hence, I, you know, firmly believe, I mean, you know, Germany, we've done Germany and you're doing the US and you and I discussed as well. Well, from my point of view, as you expand, I mean, London is a natural extension. It's also about getting yeah. that talent. If you want to deliver and solve global challenges, you want the best people. The best people aren't all sitting in Stockholm and, 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 and Oslo is the way that is. If you want to, be the best firm you possibly can be globally, you need to attract the best people you possibly can globally because that will make you ensure that you get the best talent and an even more diverse talent, including, you know, American or people based in London, you can, can get any type of, of, of backgrounds and, 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 and diversity. So, so you're challenging yourself to become even more diverse based on the same values, which I think is fantastic. And where you can fail then if you are not careful around the execution of that. And that's our, many of the discussion we have had yeah. is ensuring kind of just the timing and the sequencing of how you do that. Mirja, going into more of a helicopter perspective now, what does the world need most right now? I think we need to ensure that we work together to focus on making this world a better place. And that goes for companies, that go for private individuals, but they also go for governments and regulation. We all need to work together to reach net zero, to kind of look after the world that we live in, in a sustainable way. Mm. What would you, Mirja, want to have as a main takeaway for, for the people who are listening right now? Ensure that you know your cultural values and the behaviors linked to it and make that core. Ensure that your cultural values, your behaviors are at the core of what you do because that will allow you 
to be successful, that will allow you to have a successful organization that will take great decisions that in the end would allow for great returns. What would your advice to every person listening now be? How can everyone contribute? Ensure that they dare being themselves and make sure that that people around them uh, take that seriously, right? That every single person can can go. And as you said, it's way beyond private equity. In any companies, we said we're all people's businesses, right? Fight and dare and work for ensuring that you can bring yourself to work. And the fact that cultural values are so important to you and make sure that's important for, for, for all the firms that, that, that you work in. We can all make a difference, no matter what kind of job we have, where we work. And I think it's important to speak up and be yourself, as Miria said, and just there. Because everyone in an organization can influence the organization. Uh, and that's why I think psychological safety is so important. And so in some places there aren't psychological safety or not to a high enough degree. But you can still do it. So it's the dare and courage to overcome that barrier and just say what you think is right uh, for the problems we're having now. Thank you, Mirja. And thank you, Rainier. Thanks for sharing. Also, make sure to listen to our next episode with Raj Sisodia, where we will unpack conscious capitalism, a new way of doing business. This is Summa and Friends, the show that inspires and guides you on how we together can create a wiser future. Listen to unique leaders and experts exploring the challenges we are facing and revealing their stories about the solutions and how to get there. Episodes are released bi-weekly on your favorite podcast platform. And the week after, we release an in-depth blog article to help you capture the core ideas from the dialogues and how you can help move things forward. Summa and Friends is a podcast for people with the courage to care for a wiser future. To find out more, you will find links and show notes on summaequity.com slash podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. We hope it has inspired you to reflect on what you can do to contribute. And to make it easy for you to find and listen to this show again, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And please share this episode with one person you know would benefit from hearing it. I'm Vesna Luca, and you've been listening to Summa and Friends. And until next time, live with purpose and be the change you want to see.